Hello. I have an invitation to tea with the Queen. Yes, Emma's been expecting you. Please come in. I think that we just massively underestimate, especially as women, our own capability and awesomeness. And it, it's changed. It's changed my life completely. Yeah. Sometimes I think you go through this journey as a business owner and think you're a bit crazy. You're like, who am I to have this dream? Well, I just think women are hard on themselves. I wish I had been more confident in what I was capable of. But I feel like you do what feels right for you, then that's going to be always on brand. Women, our natural inclination is to be pleasers and to put other people before self. I've never had a tea with the Queen before and this is such a pleasure. (laughs) Hello, I'm Emma McQueen and welcome to Tea with the Queen. You can't run a business without customers or clients. That sounds obvious, doesn't it? Well, for many business owners, it ain't so obvious how to find and convert those customers. What helps is marketing automation. That's where a potential customer puts their contact details in your website. So they've clicked on a special deal or they want to download a white paper or a video or whatever. Now you've got their email address for future marketing campaigns. My guest today, Deanna Notice, helps you with all that. Deanna's had the quintessential marketing career, both in England and here in Australia. Today, she has her own business called Notice & Co. She helps her clients with email marketing. She tells me some of the mistakes businesses make with marketing automation, and she has some great insights for others looking to make more money from their business. Hello, Deanna. Hi, Emma. Welcome to Tea with the Queen. (laughs) I'm I'm so happy to be here. Look, I want to dive straight in and say yours is the epitome of marketing careers, both in London and Sydney. It's a cool job, isn't it? (laughs) What is it about marketing that you love? Um, So I wanted to be an archaeologist. (laughs) Okay, marketing's close. I was looking at archaeology and my brothers were like, you're going to be digging for dinosaurs with a toothbrush for your whole life outside in khaki shorts. And I thought, you know what, I better rethink. What can I do? And I was going through university catalogues and I saw advertising marketing and I thought, that looks fun. Not really knowing what it was, but jumped in and did a joint degree in advertising and marketing. Again, wanted to go and work in advertising agencies um, and kind of stumbled into a marketing role at an events company 10 years ago and have just never looked back. I absolutely love marketing. I'm a tech nerd and a data nerd. And I think being able to see the results of what you're doing, um, and I always say the data doesn't lie, that's probably something that really kind of keeps me hooked. So why did you want to be an archaeologist then? I don't know, probably Jurassic Park. And I know that sounds (laughs) a bit weird because it ends quite badly for everyone. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But the idea of being the person that discovers the dinosaur, I think it's that thrill. I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie. But archaeology would have been a little bit too slow going. I think I probably would have been digging for a decade and and not found very much. And already you've given us a secret that you quite like results and you quite like the data. So I reckon you would would struggle a bit in that. I think so. As my audience can probably tell, you're from England. Why the move to Australia? So I had a really, really bad hangover. 
And it was after my 25th birthday and I thought, I can't actually continue with this lifestyle. We just did the same things all the time. And I love hiking. I love being outside. I love swimming. And all of those things were packed into two weeks a year when I could get some leave from work. And I felt like I was always chasing a holiday. And so one of my friends said, well, why don't we get the working holiday visas and move to Australia? And I thought, that's a great idea. So quit my job, sold my car, packed my bags and moved to a country I'd never been to before. So far, so good. As you do. How long have you been in Australia for? Six years. Six years. And now you're on the Gold Coast. I mean, the weather couldn't be more different to London. I know. <laughs> it's. I'm grateful every day. It's perfect. I don't complain about the heat because I'm just so happy that I'm not in 10 different layers all of the time. I can go outside for walks more than half the year. So, yeah, definitely a great place to live. More than half the year in the Gold Coast, the full year, I would have thought. (laughs) Let's be honest. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) So tell me about Notice & Co. Why did you start it and what is it that you do for our audience? So Notice & Co. is a marketing consultancy that focuses solely on one email marketing platform, which is ActiveCampaign. I've been using Active Campaign for six years. I absolutely love the platform, probably more than the creators of Active <laughs> Campaign, uh, which I tell them quite frequently. I help people with all things email marketing. So from copywriting, call to actions, um, creating automations, customer journey mapping, basically anything that happens once somebody puts their information in on your site like many things in my life, kind of fell into this business. I was working in the events industry for probably about seven years in marketing roles. And in March of 2020, when COVID struck, I was stood down. And unfortunately, as I wasn't an Australian resident, I kind of fell into a, a big pickle where I was trying to find another job with another events company, but events companies were going through hard times. I tried to find another job in any kind of B2B marketing role, but people were really hesitant to take on a visa. And my mum said to me, remember, your value hasn't decreased. The industry's value has decreased, but yours hasn't. Think about what skills you have and what you can do. And I guess I just went into absolute hustle mode. I started messaging events companies outside of Australia. Don't know why I thought of that, but I did. And I basically said, hey, I'm a marketing director. I'm not doing much. If you need support with managing how you move from in-person to hybrid, I've got a really great tech background and I can help you with your infrastructure to get things going. So at that time, I didn't really know that I was going to specialize in active campaign or even email marketing. I just wanted to get something. But from then, I realized the appetite for marketing automation, for well-written, highly converting emails. And I thought, let's give this a go. And I'm two years in, in two weeks time, and I haven't looked back yet. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. Are you still on that visa or are you an Australian resident now? I am not an Australian resident. You guys are making me play the long game, but I am sponsored by my husband, so I'm not at risk, hopefully not at risk of anything <laughs> of anything going wrong now at this point. And it means that I can I can run my business without any restriction of hours or movement or anything like that. Perfect. Um, and to a complete novice, so someone who is listening who's like, ah, what is marketing automation in general? And then why ActiveCampaign in particular 
Who would use it and why? So marketing automation essentially is the idea that people are receiving a series of emails based on actions. So somebody might go to my website and say, I want to sign up for this offer. They put their information in my into my website and at that point active campaign takes over. So the first thing that it does is it segments or tags the user so that I can identify who is this person? Are they in Australia? Are they in the USA? Do they have 5 million contacts or do they just have 5? One of the reasons why I love Active Campaign is because it's scalable. So you can use Active Campaign whether you have absolutely zero contacts and you're starting with your first lead magnet all the way up to a million, two million contacts. And unlike some other marketing automation platforms that just serve you for a specific place in your business, you can grow with Active Campaign. Migrating to a new marketing automation platform can be expensive and stressful. So when you stick with Active Campaign, you don't have to do that. On top of that, Active Campaign have a really, really nice support team. They try and empower you to love the software as much as they do. And they have a lot of resources, help guides, webinars. I'm actually going to one of their live events in a couple of weeks in Brisbane. They run live events in different states so that there can be a little bit of community of users. Oh, my goodness. Are you a referral partner? Because <laughs> if you're not, you should be. <laughs> Active Campaign Treat Me Well, I am a referral partner. Um, Good. I'd like to say I'm not biased, but it's just a great platform. So I use it to automate things in my business. So things like my invoices or things like my retainer clients, make sure that they're looked after to remind me to do things that I maybe wouldn't remember to do. It's like having another version of you that you don't have to pay and is automated and and does what it's told. Um, So I love it. And for full transparency to our audience, I also use Active Campaign and Deanna has helped sort my stuff out from Active Campaign and does an amazing <laughs> job. And yes, she's this passionate when she's just one-on-one too. <laughs> so let's just say I'm a mindfulness coach and I want to create an online meditation class. How would I go about setting up an email campaign, marketing campaign through Active Campaign? Gosh, you've put me on the spot here, Emma, haven't you? (laughs) Um, So the first thing that I would do is think about how are you going to collect registrations from people? So the first thing I would do is to create a form in Active Campaign. Now, one of the mistakes that people often make is they try and use software that doesn't integrate. And what that means is that you don't have one source of truth and you can have leads kind of floating through the universe that aren't tagged, they don't really have anywhere to go. So by creating your form in Active Campaign, you know that all the data is going to fall into the right place. Then I would look at getting a landing page set up. So whether that's an Active Campaign landing page or whether that's a landing page on your website. And AC integrates with most websites. So if you're using something like WordPress, it's really easy to get connected to Active Campaign. Let's say it's an online course. You need your form to collect the data, you need your landing page to put your sales copy on and actually try and sell your offer. And then you need an email funnel. Um, And email funnels can be as long or as short as you like. I usually, the sweet spot for me is usually around three to six emails. You don't want to send too many emails because people switch off. But you need to make sure that you've got a good balance between giving something away for free, which is usually your lead magnet, educating and nurturing your audience on who you are so that they understand kind of who they're working with and then also your sales pitch as well. 
And one of my top tips probably for email marketing is is your call to action needs to be strong. I see a lot of emails where people are like, oh, well, you know, you could sign up for this if you'd like. But if you don't want to, then, you know, that's fine, too. Whereas I'm like, you need a big button on that email. You need a button that's in the top half of the email. So if people can't be bothered to read your lovely copy, they can click, they can get to your landing page, fill out the form. And from then you've got your registration. Thank you. That was brilliant. <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, for anyone who doesn't know about how you would use a marketing automation, you've explained it beautifully and also tells me so technically savvy, like you just know exactly. And I think a lot of people, when we say funnels, everyone runs away because they're like, it's too hard. It's, you know, spit scary, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I'm no techno expert as you well know, and just following the process, but having someone like you to help us follow the process has been amazing. And I also love that when you're creating an email campaign, you're not just going, okay, let's just sell in six emails. You're like, no, let's warm them up. Let's nurture. Let's tell them a little bit about you before we do anything else. And I really love that about working with you. Thank you. And I think as well, there are different people buy in different ways. So you've got people like me, 20% off shut up and take my money. I'm, <laughs> yes. you know, I don't really want to read your sales page. I'll put in my details. I'll put my credit card in. I want the offer and I want an easy life. But there are also people who are like, hang on, Emma McCoo? And There's no the one people- that does that, Deanna. <laughs> <laughs> they're the people that need more nurturing. They're the people that yes. you need to take on that journey before you're going to get them to buy something from you. So you, you need to kind of consider different people at different stages of, of your, of being on your list. Or you need to hire yourself to write the email so you don't need to worry about it. There's that as well. All that. <laughs> anyway, hey, tell me, what, what are some of the things that businesses do wrong with marketing automation? So the first thing is probably the technical setup of the platform itself. So if you don't know what you're doing and you're trying to use a marketing automation platform like Active Campaign, but your setup is wrong, it can really hold you back in the future. Um, bad setup means bad data segmentation, which means that you're not going to be able to really harness the power that the platform has. Um, another mistake that people make is emails with, and I've mentioned this before, weak or non-existent call to actions. Really long emails telling stories, but not asking people to do the thing that we want them to do. And then the flip side of that is emails with 20 different call to actions. Yes. And the user says, hang on a minute, I'm signing up for the podcast. I'm joining the Facebook group. I'm I'm signing up for two events and I'm looking at something else. It can become overwhelming. So you really need to map it out. So you think, okay, where does the user need to be at every stage in the journey? And then the last thing, potentially the biggest, is not integrating with other platforms. So if you're using MemberPress for your membership, that needs to be integrated with ActiveCampaign. If people are filling out a form on your website, that needs to get into ActiveCampaign so that it can do its thing and start sending the emails. What happens when you don't have integration is you have pockets of people who are potentially nowhere because your VA was supposed to plug them into the platform, but they didn't because they were too busy doing something else. And then you're paying for leads who are interested in your offerings, but they're not getting followed up in the right way and and they end up going cold. Yeah. Yes. And for everyone listening, we had Deanna do a big clean up job for us. And I was a bit um, nervous because I knew it was a mess, but I didn't know how to fix it myself. So I'm very grateful for you, Deanna, and for answering all our stupid little questions. And some of my questions, I feel like I'm like, 
Deanna, just tell me to rack off if it's way too technical <laughs> when I ask the question, because I just want the short answer. I don't really want the techo answer, but you do really good at that. <laughs> I know. And it actually can be hard because active campaign and marketing automation is kind of my first language now. Yes. And I'm like, okay, I need to strip this back yes. and talk about what the outcome is rather than, okay, so if you go here and you do this and you integrate with this, with this, and I do lose people sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Well, you haven't lost us so far, so that's good. Is it about a numbers game when it comes to the sort of campaign that we were talking about earlier? So the more emails you send, the more that equals more sales potentially, or is it more nuanced than that? I'm going to cheat and say yes and no. (laughs) Fence sitter. (laughs) Somebody that has 5,000 leads does have more potential for people to buy their offer because they've got 5,000 potential eyes on screen as opposed to somebody who has 50. But really, it's about the engagement. And that's why I love open rates, click-through rates, because it's the percentage. So you, I might have 10,000 leads in my active campaign account, but my open rate's 5%. Whereas somebody could have 1,000 leads, but they're getting 50, 60% open rates. So it's difficult because not only do you need to try and grow your list, you also need to nurture them and keep them engaged so that you keep the engagement rates high. But then you also need to know when to let go of dead leads. And it can be really difficult because you might have funneled a lot of money into Facebook ads or you might have created 5 million lead magnets. But people will come and go. And somebody who may have been engaged five years ago might be at a different point in their life and you need to let them go from the system. Because when you're sending emails that nobody is opening and nobody's clicking, it affects your deliverability. So you could then be in a situation where your email copy is great, but you're going straight to the junk folder or you're going straight to the promotions tab. And then you have to do a lot of work in the background to try and revive your deliverability so that you can get people looking again. So it's both a numbers game and a quality and how well you look after them game as well. You've brought up a very good point, which is building your email list. This is one of my favorite points with my clients. They're like, I don't want to build a list. I'm like, well, do you want to have a business? But I wanted to share some stats with you to see if you had heard these stats. These are from ConvertKit, right? So I know it's not Active Campaign, but it's ConvertKit. Maybe Active Campaign stats would be more. Anyway, so they've got out of a 94,000 people have less than 100 subscribers, which is their largest category in ConvertKit. 11,000 people have 100 to 249 people on their list. You're in the top 15% if you have more than 250 people. They're just stats I picked up from a podcast. And I was like stunned because I'm actively building my list and out there growing my numbers. But I'm already in the top 15%. It lulls you into a false sense of security also. But are those stats right? I don't doubt those stats, but I would probably say that active campaign is the next level up. So people that use active campaign are people that are actively building a list and they want to be able to do more with that list. So it doesn't surprise me at all because especially and probably giving away my biggest secret, here I am talking about the importance of an email list and the importance of a nurture funnel, but it often is the bottom of my list because I don't have time. I'm using air quotes here, but it can be difficult because to grow your list, you need to create good quality content. 
And to create good quality content, you need to take time to work on your business. And if you're somebody who's working in your business all the time, it can be hard to chip away at that and create the content. And this is coming from somebody who knows how to do the setup. So imagine if you had to create the lead magnet and then work out how the hell you're going to set up the technical side. So I'm not surprised that people have low numbers. I think there's also a reluctance to pay for leads. I definitely don't mean buying lists. I would never. I mean, in terms of creating ad campaigns or investing in SEO. I think when you start out in business, you've got to do all the things, but you kind of can't do all of the things. And quite often people think, well, I'm winning business. I don't need an email list because, you know, I'm winning business. But are you winning business on Instagram? Are you winning business on Facebook? What happens if your Facebook group gets hacked? What do you do then? Have you just lost everyone? So it's a real toss up. It can take a lot of time to grow your email list. And you can feel, why am I going to bother when my open rate's only going to be 30%? Yes, I get that too. I get that too. Well, I would love the active campaign stats on what I've just given you from ConvertKit. I reckon that would be kind of cool to know. Because I know a lot of people are struggling to build their list. What I also know, though, is sometimes because there's so much to do, we're not as consistent as sending newsletters. And so people forget about us because we don't drop into their inbox or whatever. And we're worried about, oh, we don't want to kick them too many times or hit them too many times in the email because they'll get annoyed at us, which I totally, totally understand. And we've paired our emails back to once a fortnight, but we have a campaign running as well. So some people will be getting a couple of from us. But I think when we're thinking about building a list, and I'd be curious, people forget to add the value and they just dump content. And I have seen this happening, especially since AI is being used and chat GPT is used. People think, oh yeah, I can just push out some content in 30 seconds and it'll be fine. But it's actually not of any value to any of the people that they're serving. Are you seeing a bit of that? Definitely. And I can see why people do it because it's a box ticking exercise. And when you're looking at your to do list and you've got send newsletter on there five days in a row, you think, okay, what's the quickest way for me to get this done? And one of the things that I recommend, two things I recommend, one is having a really good promotional rhythm. And Emma, you do that really well because you know the newsletter is going out on this day, whether you like it or not, it's going out. So you have to prepare for it because your audience expects that of you now. And then the second thing is with marketing automation, you can set up evergreen funnels. So Emma, we've got one running for um, your upcoming go-getters day. And those emails are written. The emails are signed off. We know that if somebody purchases, they're not going to receive any more emails and it's set and forget. And so it might have taken a couple of hours for us to sit down and say, okay, well, what's this going to look like? What copy do we need? But it's done. And I think it's just, and again, it's really difficult because we're doing all of the things, but it's just making the time to make it a habit. I have to send an email X amount of times and maybe start slow. You know what? Send a monthly newsletter. And if you miss that monthly newsletter, it doesn't mean that you can never send one again. People like authenticity. You can open your next email by saying, whoops, where did January go? My goodness, when I first started my business, I sent a newsletter every week because I had this story in my head I can't write. So I'm like, I'm going to get rid of that story. That's stupid. And I wrote and wrote and wrote. And every week for three years, 
I wrote a blog, yeah. And we weren't as systematised as what we are now and we were using a different platform because that's what you do when you first start, but Active Campaign is where it's at. And it's interesting to me how I've morphed that into being a bit more sophisticated in actually week one we send this, week two we send this, week three. And now we're at a stage where we write 12 blogs a year, so they're monthly blogs, but I write those in two days. So in the September of the year before, I go away and I write my 12 blogs, and now I'm starting to incorporate actually some themes that are coming up so that I can still be relevant. But a lot of the blogs that we write are about women in business and women and their case studies, and they don't change. And so they deal with the same things. So I think it's hard to find the time to work on your business, but I think finding the time to work and just do something like that sets you up for so much success, you know? Definitely. And I also think, and this is me preaching to myself, but you don't have to do everything. I think it's so easy when you start out in business. Well, I have to do everything. And it's, well, you don't have to do everything. You could have a copywriter come in and create those blogs for you. Or you could say, actually creating my content is really important for me. So I'm going to write my own blogs, but actually I can outsource this or I can get some support with that. And I think once you realize how much freedom you can get to work on your business, when you've got a little bit of help, that will really help kind of spearhead you in the right direction. Yeah, totally. When I first started my business, I was like, okay, I bootstrapped my business. So there was $0 to start with. So the pressure was on to make sure that I had some clients so that I could outsource the things that I knew I was terrible at in the first instance. One was diary management. My diary, man, if I touch my diary, I'm likely to double or triple book myself. So Serena, (laughs) my amazing business manager and sister, she manages my diary for me now. But that took us like a year to get that happening because I needed to make sure that I had clients. And sometimes you just have to do the things until you can outsource, but then be strategic about what you outsource because I knew the diary is really important to my clients because they use that as that's when I'm going to meet them. And so I wanted to get that bit sorted. And we're a high touch business, our business. So I didn't want it to be a Calendly link. I wanted it to be Serena on the other end because, as you know, Deanna, she's the nicest of the two of us. (laughs) No comment. (laughs) That means yes, people. She's delightful and she delights our clients by just interacting with them, which is what I love. Deanna, have you got any tips or words of inspiration for others who are thinking of starting or growing a business? So my first one, and this can be difficult, particularly for women, would be don't be afraid to charge what you're worth. I speak to a lot of people who say, oh, my hourly rate's low because, you know, I'm just getting started or my hourly rate's low because I'm just coming off maternity leave. And I'm like, you've got 15 years business experience working for people in-house Why can't you do that for yourself? It's kind of the same conundrum where it's like, oh, well, we can't prove that you can pay a mortgage, but I've been paying rent for the last 15 years. So actually I can. And I think so many women undersell themselves and it can be difficult to get to where you should be if you start your pricing really low because you attract a certain type of client and then it can seem overwhelming to increase your prices later. Number two I think development is key. So I did my first year in business alone. And after that first year, I knew that I had got to where I could get to by my own, by myself. I was asking my cat 
how much I should be charging. I was asking my husband, oh, do you think I should do this? Or do you think I should do that? And I've realized that business isn't just about strategy and doing things. It's also about mindset. It's also about the people that you connect with. So I think if you're on the fence about coaching or on the fence about developing yourself, um, definitely don't hesitate because the transformation that you'll see is probably so much bigger than if you were, you know, trying to do it by yourself. And then my third one would be, I think at some point you have to let go of the idea that you're going to do everything. And that that's where I'm at at the moment where I have to let go of the idea that I can be the finance person. I do have an accountant, but I can be on Canva making graphics for emails and I can be writing emails and I can be doing all of the calls and I can be managing my own diary. When you think strategically about what role or what jobs you could kind of get rid of high important jobs that don't bring you joy and take up a lot of your time, I think don't be afraid to start outsourcing, even if it's five hours a week. And that time that you can free up to work on your business is so much more valuable than kind of being a martyr who does everything by themselves. And and really, it just kind of slows down your progress. Question for you, if you're outsourcing, because this is the question I get asked a lot. Emma, can I outsource my revenue generating activities? I would always say no. I actually find it crazy that some people don't take their own sales calls or they don't take their own discovery calls. And I can understand that maybe when you sell, you know, we haven't got Tim Cook selling me an iPhone in the Apple store. That's not realistic. But when it comes to your revenue generating activities, I think that you should stay close to that because that's where you're going to have the most impact. There's so many other things that you can outsource, your social media captions, your Canva images. I think that you need to stay close to where the money is at least when you're starting out. Yes, I agree. The fact that we're even talking about money is quite interesting because there are a lot of men in business who don't want to talk about money. And I'm like, well, did you go into business to make money? Well, I went into business for flexibility and financial freedom. So you went into business to make money. It's not a dirty word. We don't have to create a dirty word with it. We can just say, hey, this is what we are doing and this is what we're charging and this is how it is. I think the other thing for me I'm almost seven years in business. Oh, man, I feel ancient. But the first thing I outsourced very quickly was the calendar and bookkeeper and accountant. I got all those three things kind of pretty quickly in my first year. But now I outsource everything, basically. I wrote my content because I like to keep on top of that because I've authored a book and all that kind of thing. But also the two things that are my responsibility, coaching my clients, turning up for delivery and business development. They're my two things. If I do nothing else in the day, they are the two things that I need to get done. So it's just leaning into whatever the technical skill that you have is, but also not forgetting to do your business development, which people find really hard. Definitely. And I myself have been in periods where I've stopped selling. And it's easy to fall into this cycle of you win work and then you're too busy. And again, my quotey fingers are out. And I used to tell myself, I'm too busy to win more work I'm too busy to take on more clients and then I would finish my packages and be like oh what do I do now so then I'd go into hustle mode to try and find new clients and I found that there was no consistency in cash flow there was no consistency in my energy I was running from a place of either desperation or oh my gosh I'm so busy and there was no middle ground and it really took me 
probably a couple of months to get into the rhythm that you don't stop selling. Even if you're too busy, you don't stop selling. And if you get to the point where you can't do more work, potentially you tell people that you need to start a little bit later. You're sold out for a month. Yes. That's okay. But Go you on just a wait don't... list. Put your prices up. So many things. Exactly. <laughs> you don't just disappear when you get busy, which yes. is what I have, I have done in the past. Yes, I love it. You're being very successful and I have mentioned your name to lots of people now and we love working with you. Thank you for coming on Tea with the Queen with us. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure to chat with you about all things Active Campaign and um, come back sometime, hey? I will. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Tea with the Queen. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help to get the word out. For more about me, please visit emmamcqueen.com.au and I look forward to your company next episode. Goodbye. Thank you for coming.